0: Uh, Father, we just thank you for all the many blessings that you've given us, Lord. Thank you for uh, just the way that you uh, help us uh, when we're ill and all, just meeting all our needs. And we just thank you for your word, Father, that's living and active, and it pierces us, Lord, and convicts us. We ask, Lord, that you'd be with Brent this morning, Lord, as he preaches the word, God, that our hearts would be open and teachable today and allow us to... Um, Uh, just to experience uh, your word as we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Sure, I can keep that up here. All right, and the kiddos up to age 12 can go to Sunday school now. It's time, Dad. Come on. And we're happy to keep the kids in here with us, too, if you like that. We're, we're, uh, We're good either way. Everybody else can flip over to Colossians chapter four. That's where we'll be putting in this morning. Oh, yes. Can you hit the handheld mic for a note? Today to come in and pray at our center. Okay. So if anybody wants to go to the PRC in Ben today um, on Revere Avenue, they'll o- open at two o'clock today for anybody open until two. Okay. For anybody that wants to go in today and pray, they can do that. Thanks, Amanda. All right. Well, last Sunday, we, uh, the, the, we told you guys that uh, the pastors, were, we got to go to a, a little trip to Portland for a pastor's conference, and we asked you guys to pray for us. Just wanted to say thank you. Uh, we had a great time away. It was just a few days, but we got to see a lot of our old friends and, and got to be, you know, encouraged just by that. But one of the really cool things we got to to experience was uh, Luis Palau was the speaker. And I've never heard Luis Palau speak. I've heard him on the radio, you know, briefly. But um, if, for those of you who don't know, he's, he's you know, a very well-known evangelist. And uh, I think they call him the Latin Billy Graham or something like that. Uh, but about a year ago in January, actually, he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and, and he's not doing real well. And so this quite possibly may have been the last time that he was going to be able to have a, a time where he could speak to a group of pastors like this. So, um, so it was just like, it was kind of special and I'm already going to get misty because I, you know, I do that, but I don't have a Christian granddad and that might be about as close as I get to have, you know, this 84 year old, 84 year old guy right before he gets to go and be with the Lord just kind of impart wisdom and, and little words of encouragement to pastors. And and it was just like I wanted to crawl up on his lap, you know, and just, just listen to what he had to say to me. And I know, we, you know, we felt that way. It was just so neat. And it was great, too, because he was so off script. I mean, he was a mess as far as what, you know, he was supposed to be exposing the text. and But he just got a, a pass, you know, that day. He could do whatever he wanted to or say whatever he wanted to. It was great. So thanks for your prayers. You know, at the end of it, when he, when he got ready to go, there's a couple things that just stood out to me. One is, is they had to help him up on stage just to get to the podium, and I thought, I hope I finish well like that, you know, I mean, he's running the race to the end, you know, he's got to be helped up to get there, and then at the end, he's just kind of standing there, there waiting, he's waiting for the guy to come up and, and escort him out, and the, the worship team is getting up there, and he's just kind of standing there in his little sweater like a cute old man, and, and he just waves, and he goes, see, see you in heaven, and that was the last thing he said, you know, I was like, sweet, it was neat, so thanks for praying for us, it was, it was a really good time. All right, we're going to be in Colossians 4, Uh, we're wrapping up here, we've got a couple more sermons in Colossians, and, and today we're looking at verses 2 through 6, which says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Well, Paul is, is, is continuing on explaining the implications or describing the implications and characteristics of how the new man lives. Um, the new man, we've talked about this in the last few sermons, um, is called to put off or take off the old self and its practices, and put on the new self with its practices. And the new man is only possible because of Christ and his spirit within us. Uh, If you have been born from above or born of the spirit, born again, those are kind of the terms we use. Uh, The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And and so this, this idea of new life that we have in Christ is part of that. We've already taken a look at the implications for the new man and woman in the family in our vocations, and now we're, it's going to be how we interact in society and in culture, how we engage with people. There's three areas that Paul is going to focus in on. It's how we pray, how we walk and how we talk. Uh, these are kind of big ones in the life of a Christian. Uh, I remember even before I was a Christian, you know, this, this what Paul's going to say stands in stark contrast to who I was, you know, who the old, the old Brent was. I did pray sometimes, you know, but it was only out of complete desperation, like laying in somebody's side yard, you know, saying, I'll never, I'll never do that again, Lord, if you just help me through this night, kind of, those kind of prayers, not, not really, uh, you know, the kind that we're talking about here. The old me was all about me, and the, the new me is all about Christ. That's, that's what we want to see as far as the new self goes. We get to walk in, in newness of life as Christians, and we get to engage with people who need newness of life. The order that Paul puts these in is significant. Prayer comes first, even though that's often what we resort to last. If you're like me, it's like when everything else fails and I've exhausted all other possibilities, oh yeah, I should probably pray. But, but he puts that first. Uh, we were with a guy the other night at dinner, Gary Dozier, who's been here at the church, and he, he, was, we, uh, he asked what passage we were going to be in, and I told him, and he said, oh, yeah, uh, we need to talk to God before we need to talk to men. That was his little summary of this, and I thought, well, that's good. I'm going to steal that, but I'll give him credit for it. Yeah, we talked, we talked to God before we talked to men, and that's what Paul's going to tell us here. So in verse 2, he starts out by telling us how we pray, and he tells us to continue steadfastly in prayer. That sounds pretty important. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 7, he goes even further, and he says that we are to pray without ceasing. That's, I, there's a lot of, I started thinking, what are the things in, in my life that I do without ceasing? And about the only thing I could think of was breathing. <laughs> I've been committed to that my entire life. I, I just, you know, beyond that, I don't, I, there's not a lot that I do without ceasing. And the idea here is really just that we keep our line of communication open with God all the time. So it's kind of like if you ever see those people walking around with a Bluetooth in their ear. That's what I thought of for some reason. You know, they want want to just get on. They want to do what they're doing in their day and do their stuff, but they want to be able to be in communication while they're doing it. So they keep this in. So I'll come into church sometimes, and Tanya's in here just talking to herself. She's, you know, just running up and down the halls as she's cleaning the building, having a full-on conversation. And then I realize that her hair is covering her Bluetooth that I don't see. She's not really out of her mind. She's actually in a conversation with somebody, so... Our conversations with God can be like that. We can, we can always be connected. We can always be in communication with him throughout the day. And that can include the private prayers that you have where you just kind of hunker down in your prayer closet, you know, maybe in the morning where you just have this private prayer or maybe in your car on the way to work. I used to do a lot of praying in the car um, when, I, when I worked in Bend. Uh, that can be praying with others, you know, kind of a conference call scenario where you get together and you, 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 you talk to God with a group of people. And it can also include what I I one time heard somebody describe as popcorn prayers, and it stuck with me. But those are the the prayers that you just kind of shoot up all day long like like pieces of popcorn. So you're getting ready to go into a meeting, you're getting ready to talk to somebody or call somebody, and you just throw up one of those quick, you know, Lord, help me with this. You know, it's just a popcorn prayer. That's not biblical, but it works, right? I like it. Regardless of when and how we pray, Paul tells us to be steadfast and devoted to it. Talking to God is an amazing privilege. So why is so prayer? Why is prayer so vital in the life of a believer? Well, the, the first answer is obvious, and it's just communication. When you're in an important relationship with somebody, you want to talk to them frequently. You know, when I don't get a chance to talk to my wife, or spend time with maybe more, maybe it's more important that I, you know, she's talking to me, I'm talking to her. Both of those things take place. I don't like it. I, I feel disconnected from her. I feel you know, this, this separation that I don't like. And until I get a chance to spend that time again with her and talk and catch up, we always have those times during the day where we, you know, last night she popped in for a minute. She's cooking for a, a group of people that are here on a retreat this weekend. But we got to sit in the kitchen for five minutes and catch up, and it was, it was wonderful. I love being able to do that with her. And, and so that's kind of like what we need in our relationship with God. The Bible, by the way, is the primary way that he speaks to us. That's why we refer to it as the word of God. So we have to spend time in the word, but the primary way that we speak to God is through prayer and through worship. And prayer is more than just asking God for things. That's kind of the one that we, we go to quickly, you know, what do I need? What do my friends need? That's, that's what we think of. It's, it's really praise and adoration. It's confession. And as Paul mentions in this verse, it's also thanksgiving. So those are all the things that we can be involved in throughout the day as we're talking to God. Mix it up a little bit, right? Don't just always ask for, for stuff. Do you ever think about what a privilege it is that you get to commune with God in prayer? I just thought it's like, as often as you want to go there, you can go in boldly. You know, I thought about, you know, if there was a world leader or something that you just barged into their office, you know, walk up, you know, go into the Oval Office and just walk up to the desk and be like, I want an audience with you now. You know, they'd be, you know, secret service, you know, get this guy out of here kind of thing. Um, but with God, we can, we can just go in boldly and talk to him whenever we want to. There's nothing keeping us from him the need to stay in continual communication with God also indicates that you understand the spiritual war that we're involved in. We, we sometimes tend to ignore that there is the spiritual battle that's taking place all around us all the time. John Piper one time likened prayer to a wartime walkie talkie. I liked that. You know, it's, it's I, mainly I liked it because I think that gives me the ability to call it an airstrike when I need one, you know, it's like, okay, God, we need, we need this over here Here's the coordinates, you know, uh, but it's, it's this idea that we have a radio in this wartime scenario that can't break. You know, if we're across, the, you know, behind enemy lines and we, we need to talk to God, we, we can. We ne- there's never a time when we can't commune with him and have this, this conversation. We can always stay in contact with our commanding officer. And so if you've been given this communication device to talk to the God of the universe, use it. Take advantage of that. Do it as often as you can. Pray without ceasing, right? Many Christians seem to kind of treat prayer more like it's a, like an intercom system, just to ring up the butler when, when, when you get uncomfortable. And that's not, that's not the idea here, you know. Hey, can you come adjust the thermostat again, God? I'm getting a little uncomfortable. Or bring me another pillow. When we understand the reality in which we really live in as Christians, prayer takes on a whole new meaning. And the descriptions that Paul uses here make a lot more sense. Be steadfast. Be persistent. Be watchful. Always keeping an eye out. That exhortation to be watchful reminds me of what Jesus told his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane when he, was, when he would go off to pray. He would tell them to pray, too. In, in Matthew 26, 41, he says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So this is a, this is a huge deal. Being watchful means that you're paying attention. You're just kind of like always you know, keeping an eye out on the perimeter for, for what's going on, not only in your own life, but in the lives of the people around you. You're watching. You've got each other's backs. And then you're also keeping an eye on what the enemy's up to. That's, that's what watchful is talking about. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us to be sober-minded. You, know, you think about being in a foxhole with somebody who's high out of their mind. It, it's like, well, that stinks. You know, they're not going to have your back. They're, they're somewhere else completely. Be sober-minded, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. So continue steadfastly in prayer for yourself and for the others around you. Another reason that prayer is so important in the life of a believer is that it indicates that you are fully relying on God, right? Admitting that you need help. That can be kind of tricky sometimes. I know my grandkids, um, I get a kick out of them sometimes because they're, they're really little and some of them are really stubborn and independent. One in particular, but I'm not going to name names. Uh, but I'll watch them sometimes struggling with something. To try to do it. And I want to do it myself. I want to do it myself. And it's like, all right. And it's kind of admirable to a point. And then it's just kind of ridiculous. It's like, you know, you don't have a hope here. You're not going to get that lid off. And you're just kind of standing there waiting, you know, and I picture that's what God, that's what we look like sometimes to God, I'm guessing, you know, it's like, you know, just hang in there and tell you, you know, you're ready to ask for help yet. You're ready to ask for help yet. And finally, when they do that, when they, I love when they finally just kind of look up at me and, and surrender and be like, Papa, can you, can you do this for me? And it's like, of course I can. You know, I, I, I would delight in that. And that's how God our father is. He delights in, in helping his children whom he loves. He wants to do it. You know, we can't go to him with, with two, you know, it's like, oh, you bothered me enough this week. Don't come back. You know, that's not happening. Even the small things he wants to help with. And that's why first uh, Peter five, seven, I think it is says, throw all your worries on him because he cares for you. You matter to God and what you're going through matters to him. So we can cast all of our cares on him and rely on him. And not only do we need to rely on God in in prayer, um, you know, for ourselves, that we need to rely on him, but we also need the prayers of our brothers and sisters. And I love how evident that is here. here. You know, to hear, you know, Eddie share a praise saying, you guys prayed for me and God answered. That's so cool to know that there's other people that are praying for you and lifting you up and interceding for you in that way. Um, We get to do that for each other, and we see that here uh, in Paul. He was not exempt from this either because he asks for prayer for himself in verse 3. He kind of says, hey, while you guys are praying, pray steadfastly. Hey, add me to your list. But I love what we can learn from Paul here because to me it's not surprising that he wanted prayer. After all, he was in prison, right? It's surprising what he asks for, (laughs) Because if I was in Paul's shoes, I know exactly what I would be praying for. Hey, guys, pray for me too. Pray that God would get me out of here. I don't like this circumstance. I don't like this situation. Pray that God would get me out of here. Now, that's my prayer. But look at what Paul prays for in verse 3. He says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door. And I'm thinking, okay, we're tracking, Paul. Yeah, open a door, God, so I can get out of here. That's what I'm thinking. But that's not what he prays for that god may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of christ on account of which i am in prison that i may make it clear which is how i ought to speak he doesn't pray for a door out he prays for a door in he wants to see god's word and god's gospel get into where he's at so that's how he prays completely different than what i would do but but correct so many of us ask god to immediately change our circumstances when we're going through something we don't like, instead of asking God to use our circumstances for his purpose and glory. Paul was in prison for declaring the mystery of Christ to those who hadn't heard it. And look at what he asks for prayer for. More opportunities to proclaim the mystery of Christ. It's like, I, you know, remember that thing that got me thrown in prison? Yeah, pray, pray for that. Pray for more of that. It's like, really, dude? Yeah. And it makes you wonder if the prison guards were like reading his letters when they were sending them out. You know, it's like, because I get to see, you know, I, I, you just, you would think that they would read him. Hey, would you guys send that to Colossae for me? You know, and they're like, Paul, come on, man. Really? This again? This is what we busted you for. You're, you know, he was, he was a repeat offender. Paul was when it came to the gospel, he was just flat committed to proclaiming Christ. And he trusted that God had ordained his circumstances, that he was right where God wanted him. I love in 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy 2.9, Paul talks about how he was suffering and bound with chains as a criminal. But then he points out and says, you know what, though? The word of God isn't bound. I might be bound, but his word isn't bound. It can still be effectual in here, even in what I'm going through. It didn't stop Paul, and it didn't hinder the gospel. And in 1 Corinthians 9.16, he actually says, Whoa to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. It's like I just have to do it. We need to learn to trust God even in the midst of circumstances that we can't make any sense of. Like, Lord, what are you doing here? I don't understand why you're having me go through this. I don't understand what you're doing. We need to trust God and, and be patient in that and, and look for him to, to, to work and not look for a quick way out like we always do. I love the story of John Bunyan. You guys heard of John Bunyan? Most of you, I hope, have. Who knows what John Bunyan wrote? The Pilgrim's Progress. Good job. I was making sure. Just, that was a quick test. You guys passed. John Bunyan was imprisoned for preaching the gospel. He was in prison for 12 years. Think about that. Think about 12, what was going on in your life 12 years ago. Imagine being in prison that entire time. And he could have freed himself by simply agreeing to stop preaching Christ. That's all he had to do. Agree that you'll stop preaching Christ and you can go. Go. He told the local magistrates he would rather remain in prison until moss grew on his eyelids than fail to do what God had commanded. Now, this guy had a wife, and he had four children. Let that sink in a little bit. A wife and four kids that you're taking care of, and you're committed to Christ and the gospel so much that you say, you know what, I'm not going to compromise here. And the church did look out for them and take care of them, which was good. It would have been so easy for him to compromise. I, w- I think I would have. I would have said, I would have told them whatever they wanted. Sure, I won't do that anymore, you know, but I still would have. But that's probably wrong. <laughs> don't, don't follow my lead there, but that's the, way I, that's the way I think. But you just have to ask, why would God allow him to stay locked up for so long? What was God's purpose in that? Why would he allow such a thing in this guy's life? You know what that time in prison allowed John Bunyan to do? It gave him the incentive and the opportunity to write. He wrote nine books in prison, one of which, I already already gave it away. I gave you away the punchline already. One of which was The Pilgrim's Progress, which is, next to the Bible, the best-selling book that's ever been written, the most read book that's ever been written. It's been translated into 200 languages, and it's impacted countless lives for Christ. Now, God's just amazing in what he does. You know, it's, it's not like... We we just never know what what, what God is up to. And in this situation, he had a purpose that reached far beyond anything John Bunyan could have ever imagined. And 400 years later, here we are talking about John Bunyan and the Pilgrim's Progress. It's kind of crazy. So in the same way, Paul trusted in the sovereign God who had orchestrated his circumstances, and he believed that God had him where he wanted him and would use him right then and there. I love Psalm 1830. It says, as for God, his way is perfect. Paul's prayer request was for God to open doors to make it clear what he ought to say when the opportunity came. That's a great prayer request. We can pray that too. I hope you do. God, please open doors for me to meet people, to talk to them. Give me an opportunity to speak the gospel in a way that will be clear and impactful when I do. I hope that's something that we pray every day. As we head out and we go into the day, God, open doors for me to know how to speak when the time comes, and give me opportunities to preach the gospel. Well, the next thing Paul talks about is found in verse 5. We talked about how we pray, now we're going to talk about how we walk. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. That's easier said than done sometimes, right? Well, first off, who are these outsiders they're talking about? Reminded me of a book I read back in, like, junior high, This Motley Gang, but that's not who it's talking about. The outsiders, it's not necessarily talking about just people that aren't inside here today. It's talking about those who are outside of Christ. This is a position that they're in. They have yet to believe and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and so they are outside of Christ. We're supposed to walk in wisdom when we're around them. I like the old King James that says, walk circumspectly. It's a good word, right? Right? I don't know what that, 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 that guy picture, like somebody walking like this, you know, kind of like <laughs> circumspectly, Keep, you know, you're just looking all around, paying attention to who's there. That'd be a weird way to walk, but, but you get the idea. Walk, by the way, is, is a, not, it's not literally how our, you know, it's not talking about our gait or our stride or it's talking about our life, how we live. It's just a metaphor for how we conduct ourselves. So for instance, we live in a community. People are watching us. Right? Everywhere we go, we're kind of known. So they see us at the grocery store. They see us at the restaurant, at the gas station, et cetera. And they're observing us. I I love people watching. I don't know if you're a people watcher, but I can just go and just kind of camp out someplace and just watch people. And I do. You see some of the same people throughout the community. Think about that. Think about people you've seen and what they've done and it kind of sticks in your mind. So people are watching. They're observing us. They're watching how we treat people. They're watching how we tip when we go to restaurants. Ouch, huh? That's, that's real. They're watching how we react in situations where, you know, somebody cuts you off or you don't get your way or whatever they're watching. Now, this doesn't mean that we put on a show or pretend, you know, to be something we're not. But if we're doing what the text tells us and we're putting off the old self and putting on the new person and walking in the newness of life, they should see something beautiful and something different in us, they should see Christ, which would look like compassion, and kindness, and selflessness, and humility, and love. Those are the things that should characterize us. When somebody sees somebody from the door, they should be like, ah, I recognize that. If someone from the community, and this happens, by the way, happened in here on a Sunday, you know, they thought it was actually... I, somebody one time told me they thought this was a CrossFit. They, they popped in, you know, and hey, it's a church. So they stayed. But if somebody from the community happened in here one Sunday and saw you in here, what would their reaction be? Would it, I mean, it's a good question. Would it be like, you go to church? Would that be their reaction? Kind of scratch their head and be like, huh. Or, or would their heads kind of like nod and be like, ah, that makes sense. I had a feeling you might be one of those people, you know. Christians would do well to think about how the world sees us and what we're, what we're projecting out there in, in the community that we live in. The people, by the way, the stereotype of Christians isn't good. I don't have to tell you that. You know, right? That what, they, what they think we are kind of is just really bad. They think that we're judgmental, that we're self-righteous, that we hate fun, and people who have fun, like, no, we don't want fun to happen ever. And they think that we hate people that aren't like us. That's kind of what they think. So we have an opportunity to change that, to walk in wisdom toward outsiders, and to make the best use of the time. And I love that that doesn't say make the best use of time. It says make the best use of the time. They put an article in there that describes that, that it's measured, that it's not just this endless supply of time. You've been given a specific amount of time. You have, you know, we all have an expiration date on us and and we don't know when it is, when it's coming. Make the best use of the time that you've been given. All right, so that's how we walk. And then the last one is how we talk. In verse six, it says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Our speech should be gracious. I like that. Full of grace to the one listening, to the hearer. So that means we're not rude, we're not argumentative, we're not judgmental, we're not belittling. And a lot of times we can be that way. But but instead, we have this genuine desire to to get to know people, to interact with them, and I, I like this, you know, are you interested in the people around you? Do you like to get into conversations with people and to kind of get to know them? That, that's what we have an opportunity to do. And when you think about the fact that, and, and this sounds maybe overly dramatic, but there's a lot of people that you're running into on a daily basis whose eternity hasn't been decided yet. Now, now God knows the beginning from the end, but we don't. And so there's the sense in which there's a lot at stake here. And we have this opportunity to, to come with this gracious speech that, that may make a difference. I know that it may be uncomfortable to do so, but engage people. Get to know the people that live around you, that you work with, that, that your neighbors, you know, we're, we're in such a weird society where we don't even want to talk to our neighbors sometimes. But we have an opportunity to, you know, the people that you shop with, the people that you go into, you know, the, the coffee people, the, all, all these interactions that we have are opportunities. We went to Portland this week. I already said that. And we went to one of our favorite uh, hangouts on a, a Monday night. And we brought one of our pastor friends with us. And we were really looking forward to spending time together and just talking. But as we get in there, some dude comes walking in by himself. He was alone. And so we invited him to our table. Not, not really what I wanted to do, but what, what we're called to do. When we left, and I'll tell you more. When we left, the pastor friend that was with us commented on on how cool it was that we engaged this guy, and he admitted that he never would have done that. He would have just put his head down and pretended like he wasn't there, because that's what we do most of the time. He wouldn't have done that, And, and for me, as an introvert who... Honestly struggles with engaging people with meaningless surface talk. I mean, there's t- I would rather, you know, I want to tell you what I'd rather do, but I, I don't like that kind of talk. It's so frustrating. You know, I don't know. Oh, what do you think about this weather we're having? It's like, ah, you know, you know, I won't do it. <laughs> it's just like, ah, I don't want to be there. Don't want to do that. So I can completely relate to what he was saying um, because I was the same way for a long time, but it's been, it's fun. It's been fun to, to see that change in us. Um, The longer we've been here at the church, we've kind of, everywhere we go, we seem to attract these conversations now. And I look forward to it. It's a lot of fun. So what I've learned is people like to talk about themselves. You know, you think about how how do I engage people to where it's not just this surface talk. People like to talk about themselves. Have you noticed that? They just do. And so engaging people is sometimes as simple as asking, what brings you here tonight? which is what we asked Elson. That was the guy's name. And he said he was in town for business. Guess what our next question was? What do you do for a living? So you guys, you guys are great. You can, you're, already, you're, just, you're already rocking it. That's the next question. What do you do for work? He starts telling us that. We ask more questions. We just start getting into this dialogue. We're learning about the guy. Learning a lot about him, actually. He opens up. Starts just talking, 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 right? Now, eventually... Um, they always get around to asking us what we do for a living, (laughs) right? Which is kind of fun. We kind of wait for that moment, like, it's going to be good. And we always kind of go with Pastor Jordan's famous quote, you're not going to believe this, but we're pastors. And they don't usually believe it. We often will get, oh, no, no way. No, you're not. And it's like, yeah, we are. And it freaks some people out, but most people are intrigued by it. They've been sitting here having a nice conversation with us, and, and we don't necessarily fit their stereotype of what they thought a Christian or a pastor would be, and so it opens up a, a dialogue. Now, if you're not a pastor, you can't rely on that intro, right? Um, so, so how do you how do you get to the gospel? How do you get to that kind of thing? And that's where Paul's exhortation to season your speech with salt comes in. If you're eating food that isn't very exciting, what do you what do you reach for? The salt shaker, you know, it just it just livens everything up again, right? And this can be true in our conversations too. Like I said, I can only talk about sports and weather for so long, and then I, I just want to run away. Let's get to some substance. I want to get to some substance when I'm talking to people. That's fun. That's enjoyable. And that's what uh, David did the other night with Elson. We were talking, and we're getting to know him, kind of got to know that he's a smart guy. He's, he's educated. He's been to, you know, done a lot of studying. And so David finally said, you're obviously a pretty smart guy. What do you do with God? Well, that's pretty salty. <laughs> right? (laughs) That's just like taking the cap off, you know, right? But by 1215 that night, technically morning, uh, Elson had heard the gospel presented clearly and repeatedly. And even our pastor buddy that was with us was, was jumping in, man, he was having a good time. We were just engaging this guy. Now I'll admit that most of the night it felt like we were just throwing seeds against a brick wall, You know, it wasn't like he got on his knees and said, what must I do to be saved? That would have been cool. It didn't happen. But our job is to throw seeds. God's job is to make them grow. And we threw seeds that night. We don't know the end of the story either, which I love. You have no idea what's going to happen in this guy's life. You know, we left that night with, there's a business card and a handshake. He might get on and hear a sermon. He might, who knows what could happen. But we know that we did what we were called to do that night. And he's hopefully thinking about the things we talked about. And what a privilege it was to be able to do that with this guy on a Monday night in Portland. You know, what kind of eternal value will that have? I don't know. But we made the best use of the time that night. Now, that may be a little saltier than you're comfortable with, right? So maybe start smaller. If you're engaged in talking to somebody, you know, having a conversation going, at some point just say, hey, are you a churchgoer? That's a very simple question to ask. It's not offensive, and you'll be surprised where it goes. I've learned, I think I heard David ask that one time, and it just stuck with me. It's like, I'm going to keep asking that question. So I do it a lot now. Are you a churchgoer? You know, I mean, it's, they almost take it as a compliment. Like you thought that they were, you know, like you're, you're you know, so they go. And they'll usually start telling you stuff like, no, nah, you know, I, I grew up in the church. You know, they'll, they'll just start giving you a lot of information about how they feel about the church and how they feel about Christianity and God and Christians. And, and you've got a lot to work with at that point. It's good. You know, you go to the grocery store and somebody's going to ask about your weekend. That happens all the time. There's an opportunity to say something about the awesome church you go to. Or you can tell them you come here, right? <laughs> that works too. <laughs> you have an opportunity to, to say something, you know? Oh, man, I, 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 we go to church uh, here. In, you know, do you know where, the, you know, have you heard about this church? and Invite them. They might come. You never know. There's all kinds of little ways that you can add a little salt into your conversations. Paul adds an interesting phrase there at the end. He says, add salt that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And and I like that because the idea is we need to learn about the people we're talking to. Genuinely learn. Not, Not again, we're not talking about trying to get a notch in your belt and say, you know, I talked to somebody about the Lord today. Genuinely, lovingly caring about the people around us who, again, not to be overly dramatic, but whose eternity isn't settled right now, most likely. As far as we're concerned, we have opportunities to talk to people about newness of life and walking in it. Walking in a in a life with a Savior who loves you, who died for you, who values you, who will forgive you, and who will commune with you on a daily basis. That's what we can talk to people about. So find out what their story is. Find out what's in the way of coming to Christ. What's the stumbling block? What's the roadblock that's in your way? to coming to Christ, find out what it is. It, it could be science, their upbringing, their past, maybe a misunderstanding about what the gospel is, but the way you get to that is by engaging them in conversation. I love those conversations now. I look forward to them. I can't wait to go to O'Kane's and sit around a fire pit and just see what God's gonna do next. It's fantastic. By the way, if, if you're bad at this and you don't know how to do it, hook up, you know, get, I can't say hook up anymore. My kids tell me not to say that. <laughs> don't do that. Sorry, strike that from the record. Uh, Hang out with somebody who does this. It's infectious. I'm telling you, I watched our buddy the other night. You know, he's watching what we're doing, and and he comes out with just like this, you know, spring in his step, excited about this opportunity, and 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 hopefully we can do it more. Sometimes partnering up just makes it more fun and, and more exciting. You can take part in these conversations. But remember, if you're going to talk to people, the way you walk matters, right? Walk in wisdom. And if you're going to talk to people, the way you pray matters, right? Before you talk to people, make sure you talk to God. So those are the three, the big words for the day. Pray, walk, and talk. They're an essential part of our lives. Sometimes they happen simultaneously. It's not like you pray in the morning, and then you go walk, and then you wait to talk. No, th- these are happening at the same time. As you're talking, you're praying, hopefully. Those are those popcorn prayers. You're, you're saying, God, give me wisdom to know how to answer this. I have no idea. You'll be surprised when God's word is hidden in your heart, and the Holy Spirit is, is, you know, soaring through you in this way, where all of a sudden you're saying things that's like, well, that sounded really intelligent, far beyond anything I would have ever produced. You know where that comes from then, right? Pray for these opportunities daily. Ask God for an open door to speak clearly as you ought. Imagine if we all mobilized to do this together. Imagine what that would look like if, if during this week we just went out and said, we're going we're to meet people. We're going to invest in people. We're going to spend that time. We prayed steadfastly. We walked wisely and we spoke graciously with the aim of winning the lost. I just I can't help but think that we're at a really exciting time in the life of this church. Um, there's something just going on in this community, and we have a lot of opportunity. We're poised, I think, for something big. I don't know why I think that, but I just do. And, and I'm excited that I'm not in this alone. I look out and I see all these people that are doing this with us, and, and it's, it's pretty cool to, to think about. I want to remind you as well, Paul was bound. John Bunyan was bound. We are not. You and I are free. You're free to move about the country. You're free to move about the community. We can just walk and talk and pray everywhere we go. Don't, you know, there, there could come a time, and again, I'm not an alarmist. I'm not saying go, you know, go into survival mode or anything, but there could come a time when that becomes much harder for us as Christians. Take full advantage of the time that you have now. Father, thank you so much for uh, this passage of Scripture and how simple it really is, Lord. I thank you that you partner with us. You, you want us to partner with you in the, in the Great Commission, in going out and making disciples of all nations. What a privilege it is, Lord, that you've given us everything we need to do this. Uh, help us to have faith. Help us to be obedient. And, and, Lord, help us to get excited about the fact that you would use us. I pray, Father, for specifically this week that we would have opportunity, that you would open doors for us to go out and engage with people and be able to share words of life with them about Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done, and that it can change their life forever. Thank you, Father, again for this place and for the time that we get to spend in your word and with each other, and we just ask for your blessing over it all in Jesus' name. Amen.